The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Yes, good afternoon or good evening, everyone. This is Jill. Um, thank you very much for joining today. Uh, today's a special day, a special show. I have a guest, and uh, she's live for once. Her name is uh, Lisa Risingberry. So, good afternoon, Lisa. Hello. Yes, very nice to hear you, to hear your voice. Um, I've been meaning to invite you for quite some time, so I'm glad that you're here. Yes, this is wonderful. Instead of emailing back and forth and Skyping back and forth, we finally get to connect via Skype and via the voice, which is such a blessing. It is, yes. So thank you very much again. Um, Lisa has a a blog called uh, Rising Frequencies, which is the reason why I titled the show today, Rising Our Frequencies. We're going to, in a sense, do that together and and rise together. And... um, I know I posted uh, Lisa's bio in the invitation, so it's on the website, on the Voice America website. Uh, so we, we know a tiny bit about her, but I was, I was curious about uh, a spiritual path of which I know fairly little. And to introduce our, our discussion, I wanted to, to read a quote that I found very kind of mystically the other day from someone else on Facebook. It's, uh, it's a quote from a Buddhist monk, most likely a Tibetan one, Thich um, Nhat Han. I have a problem uh, un- pronouncing the name, but the quote, which is very short, uh, reads as follows. You cannot transmit wisdom and insight to another person. The seed is already there. A good teacher touches the seed, allowing it to wake up, to sprout, and to grow. So I don't know what, um, what this quote means to you, Lisa, but if you like, you can talk about it or whatever you feel like sharing with the audience about your path and your, your journey, what brought you here today, and, and also as well where you see yourself going. I guess it's really um, open discussion. Well, which, which one do you want me to cover first? Do you, do you uh, want me to cover the quote or... The quote or the past, whatever, you might want to talk about a teacher, what comes to mind or who comes to mind and, and, and why. Well, this, this quote is actually one of my, my personal favorites because the, the seed is in every single person. I mean, we, we all know 
that we have a seed of divine. We are connected to source. We are connected to the to the divine. Uh, the predicament that people get into is how do we touch that seed? How do you walk in through that door? And in the West, we just aren't taught this information. It's basically hidden from us. Uh, re religion got in the way. Uh, ancient texts were not properly conveyed. In the East, it's completely different. Uh, the, the Tibetans and the Indians, uh, the Buddhist monks, sages, they have the correct information. And the way they learned it is it was it was transmuted and it was passed down orally and a little bit written from generation to generation. And that's what we're lacking here in the West. And they fully understand that a good teacher touches that seed that is already within you. They light the path. They tell you how to go within. So many people know, go within, go within. Yes, I know to go within, but how? And how to get there, you know, there are certain uh, meditations, there's mantras, there is visualization, there's all kinds of different methods that you do physically, you just don't wish it, that you do physically to touch that seed. And I have had been blessed with teachers that touched my seed. Um, some of them didn't even touch the seed. Some of them only lit the path and taught me how to go in and find the divine within myself. And then I allowed it to wake up. I am the one who walked the path. But they were they they helped push me a little bit, if that makes sense. So my question is, who watered the seed? Was it you or them? Oh, the seed is you. No, the, no. Who the? Who, who brings the water to the seed? Who brings the nutrients? Oh, you do. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, there, there's so many people, they, they want a savior and they want someone to do the work for them or they just want to read. They think if they read and they read and they read, they're going to touch that seed. Um, you know, there there's a saying that a ton of book knowledge is nothing in compared to an ounce of physical experience. So... You know, you you can you don't even need a teacher really. You can read how to touch the seed, but you physically have to go in and do the work, and you water it. The mm -hmm. books don't water it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you do that? Would you like to tell us about one of your practices or one of your teachers or? Well, sure. Um, for, for me, my, my path is a little bit different. I, I will go into, I'm, um, I'm a walk-in, and I, a lot of people that might scare the pants off of them <laughs> because, because and it, it's, it's not a big deal. It really, it's not a big deal. Every person on this planet is essentially a walk-in. What a walk-in is, basically, it's the soul walking into the body. Uh -huh. This usually happens when the body is a baby. In my case, it happened when uh, in 2008 for me. Um, my body was prepared by a previous soul, and then once it reached a certain level of vibration and it was you know, ready for me to come in and do what I was supposed to do, I walked in and the previous soul walked out. So it's just I came in later in life, and that's all a walk-in is, essentially. Um, you know if you're a walk-in, if you have full memory of it. It's, it's, it's very... Um, not scary. It's cut and dry. Either you know you are or you know you're not. 
Um, so I don't want anyone to think, hmm, am I a walk-in? You know, you will know. And I had many crazy paranormal and spiritual experiences with Kundalini and different things that was happening to me that really scared me because I didn't know what was going on with me. Before your so, walk-in experience? No, Before. after. After that, okay. I had a crazy life prior to my walk-in, and that was nothing to what what I experienced after my walk-in, it was as if the floodgates opened up. Um, because I was a new soul, I had, you know, I was connected to the previous one that walked out, but it's still my individual path. So, I my energy was different. So, when my energy hit this body, it just exploded the kundalini. And I had never heard the word kundalini. I, I didn't know anything about new age. I didn't know, you know, my experiences were experiences. I had zero book knowledge at this point. So after I started to experience these things, I started looking for answers and I hit the books and started to find people that could help me. And um, along my way, I found I've experienced really bad teachers that while I was with them, I thought they were the devil. <laughs> and <laughs> and after I outgrew them, I realized that um, one in particular was my greatest teacher ever because he taught me how to not care about what other people think of me. He he touched that seed and I'm forever grateful for that. Then I was led to um, a Tibetan teacher. His name is Tenzin Wangel Rinpoche. And from him, I have learned many different Buddhist practices and meditations and he lit that path for me. And I do the work. I have a, a very strong spiritual practice where I sit on my cushion and I do my rituals and I do my meditations and mantras. And it just raises your body's vibration and puts your brain in an altered state of consciousness and just rises your frequencies like nothing I've ever experienced. And a good, a good teacher is basically hardly around you. I mean, you can ask them some questions. I can ask Tenson. He formally accepted me as one of his students. He has thousands of students. I hardly ever talk to him. I read what he writes and I watch his YouTube videos and the up, the rest is up to me. And that's what a good teacher is. But is he available? Why is he physically speaking? In which country yes. is he? Is he in the he US? No. He is everywhere. He travels all over the world and teaches, but he's based in um, California. And he also he has different centers all over the world that are type, you know, in the Tibetan tradition. He's a, um, a Geshe Lama monk and decided to leave the monastery. And he wanted to bring the teachings to the West. Uh -huh. And that's his purpose. And he actually is married now and has a little boy. Good. And he, he understands how we are in the West. That's a great and, thing, yeah. Raising a, a child is, a, I think it's part of a, a person's path. So. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, it, that's so difficult. <laughs> and it's a blessing at the same time. So It is. Your, yeah. your children are your mirrors. They really show or mine are anyway, you know, when my kids will push my buttons, which no one knows how to push your buttons like your children do, uh -huh. they show me what I need to work on. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a very special path, yeah. So, so you're still practicing Wing Poche's, um, I mean, teachings. 
Yes. And yeah. his teachings are the, the Tibetan burn Buddhist tradition, which is a, uh, about 13,000 years old. So he doesn't, it's not his teachings. It's something that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. And he is just bringing it to the West. And then that's how I found it. Uh-huh. And do you chant something? You chant loud, aloud? Well, it's not, well, it's not, ch- I, it's reciting mantras. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, in English and, or in in, uh, in, t- in, in, Tibet, in in Tibetan. Tibetan, okay. Uh-huh. Yes, and some of them are heart mantras for opening the heart. Some of them are transmuting um, anger, uh, and some of them are the elements you that can help you connect to the elements. Um, one is is just a single syllable pay, which when you say that really loud and with intention, it it's it's like a, a chod. It cuts something that you no longer want um if you have a an argument that you had with a loved one and mm-hmm. and you're ready to get rid of it you understand what you learned from it you grew from it but this anger is you know we hold our issues in our tissues and if mm-hmm. that anger is still stuck in your liver you can just go into a meditation quiet your mind still your thoughts and open your heart and feel spaciousness in your heart and and then say the syllable pay really loud it cuts like a knife, it just cuts it right out. And you feel your heart expand and your energy just fills the whole room. And it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you say only, uh, only once? Pay is only once, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's interesting, yeah. And how long have you been practicing um, this, this teacher's teachings? You're st- oh, you're still I would practicing say now. Yeah. Yeah, about a year and a half. Okay, so it's fairly recent, yeah. It's fairly recent. I've I've always followed Buddhist writings. Um, I would follow esoteric Gnostic writings. You name it, and and I have somehow dabbled in it. But this was the only one that I actually stuck with. That I I I do it. It's yeah. it's my inner alchemy that I do in the in the physical. It's the only thing I've I've really found that works, and it's easy. Uh-huh. <laughs> It's user friendly. <laughs> also, okay, that's good. That's good. So you're not part of a, you're not part of a shanga. You're not part of a community. I mean, that's possibly a virtual one, but you're not meeting with uh, like minded like minded souls. No, unfortunately, uh, you know where I live in Pennsylvania. I would love to have a sangha. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's part that's part of you know connecting your hearts when you can do these practices and meditations with a community it amplifies it and you know that's part of your path you're not just supposed to hide your light you're not just supposed to and i know a lot of people are afraid of the world but the world is a great teacher and and you you need to get out there in the world and um i i share on the radio, I share in my writings, but and and I do teach at my home. But we don't practice the Tibetan traditions. You know, if I had a sangha, that would just you know that I mean, would make my day. <laughs> sure, that's nice to feel to feel the support and to give the support at the same time. Yeah, I am close to his. Uh, uh, Rinpoche's main center is in Virginia, and and it, it's about six hours from me. And I can feel that someday I will go there and take a workshop or two. But six hours is, you know, that's. <laughs> you haven't been there yet. No, no, I have okay. not. Mm-hmm. So my question is: Thank you very much for sharing. Were you practicing anything before your your walking experience? Anything spiritual like this? 
I did a just a traditional meditation. I would lay um, like the Star of David, and and I would make up my own things because your mind is your creation. You do magic with your imagination, and that's why a lot of the school systems are kind of you know destroying our children's imaginations because that's where you can really go within. You have to, if you can imagine it, you can create it. Um, as a clairvoyant, when someone actually goes into a meditation and, and they, they try to imagine like a, a shield around them, something simple, I can see it's working. So knowing that, I would, lay in, I would lay on my bed and I would go through all my past issues and I would actually picture myself inside my body I would picture myself inside my heart inside my liver and have the intention to say okay I'm going to go after anger in this session and I'm going to attend that use my intention that the anger is going to look like little red balls and I would go in and I would have my astral vacuum cleaner and I'm not lying (laughs) I'm very simple I'm very childlike and I would go within my body and see the anger that was in within my liver, and I would clear it out. Um, I would do this with my chakras at all as, as well. I would use like a piece of floss and go through my chakras and floss them like you Ooh. do your teeth, teeth yeah. <laughs> and clean them. And it's amazing. You you when you do this kind of work, you can feel a difference. And and it you know we ha- in the West we have to get rid of you know. Even Tenzin's practices are great, but if you don't resonate with that, make up your yeah. own. Make up your own, and it, it's it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. So that's what we were doing before the walk-in. You said yes, yes, and I did it after. I did it more after my walk-in because after I had my walk-in experience, I realized how much. Crap, I had to clear out of my body. Crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, had, I mean, there was just so many issues. There was just, you know, so much anger, just a lot of work that I needed to do on myself. And I pretty much 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13, that's all I did. I was not very social. I wasn't writing. I wasn't speaking. I wasn't even on Facebook until almost 2012. And that was my life. Mm-hmm. So my, my my question is, how come you did so little before? You are not aware of that, I guess. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's what I said, you know, after my walk, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I thought I was doing pretty good. It's just vibration. Um, I was a higher, you know, when you, when you raise your vibrations, you're going to find issues that you never saw before. Um, it's like peeling an onion. And uh-huh. until you peel the layers, you don't see what the next layer is. The previous soul had peeled a lot of layers. But once I got in, uh, you know, to me, it, it was as if they had done nothing. And I know that's not the case. But, um, you know, you just have to keep going through it. And when you fix one, you realize, well, now I go on to this. I mean, it's a never-ending process. You're never done. That would be so incredibly boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the metaphor I use is going into the cave, you know, when you do spelunking. So, obviously, you mm-hmm. can usually, you don't ever know how deep the cave is. And it's the same thing. The, more, the deeper you go, then you find uh, another opening and you get into a new, um, a new cave. So, I guess it's, uh, it's a bit of the same, yes. Yes, exactly. And your cave is your body. Um, that's why so many Tibetan monks and sages would actually physically go into the caves to meditate because you're in the womb of Mother Earth. 
And that, that's a metaphor uh, for you going within yourself because you're, you're the same as the cave. So when a monk would go into a cave and then go within themselves, they were completing the hermetic philosophy of as above, so below. They were in the womb of Mother Earth, within Mother Earth, in the as below. And then by going within themselves in meditation, they were going within in the as above. And that's perfect balance. I see. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, I think you need to, be, to, you need to be part of the real world because that's where you belong and that's mm-hmm. where, I guess, you get a lot of um, quote-unquote stimulation, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, in both ways. I mean, it could be good stimulation. It could be things you need to change. And I think, you, like you said about the kids, you know, we need to have mirrors in our life to pointers, in a sense, that tell us uh, what needs to be changed or cleansed or whatever. But... Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm at the point right now that I see all experiences as neutral. I really try my best not to say this was a bad experience and this was a good experience because they're all learning. Um, you know, my experience is that someone would, I could tell them what I went through and they could say, oh my gosh, Lisa, that was horrible. That was such a bad experience for you. And I don't see it like that. I, I see them as blessings and I see them, I grew the most from my darkest times. And then the the experiences that people would say, oh, that was fabulous. That's so wonderful. I'm so glad that help happened to you. And yes, I learned from it. But ultimately, they are experiences. They're, I try to get away from the good and bad because then, it, you know, I don't go on that emotional roller coaster as often as I used to. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you talk about the emotional body and the mental body as well? Do you use those words or not? Yes, I. I the physical see, body, the spiritual. The you know, physical the, body, right? The, and then the astro- I see it. My my words are, and they're a little bit different because they're based on on my experiences. Mm-hmm. I have the my physical body experience. I have my astral body experience, yes. which is, um, you know, astral traveling and lucid dreaming. And I have memory of that. And then the higher one is your etheric body. Uh-huh. And that's a little bit different. That's, you know, more of a clear light experience. And it's a little bit more different to remember that and bring that back into the physical body. Um, so that's, those are the words I use. I was taught different words, book knowledge, but my personal experience kind of led me to, to use uh, physical, astral, and etheric. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you very much. Uh, I think it would be a good time to take a short break, if it's okay with you. That's fabulous. Okay, good. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jeel Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again. This is Jill, Jill and Lisa today, a special guest uh, for a show about rising our frequencies, at least uh, understanding, uh, in my case, a few things that I didn't really know about uh, before. And I was asking during the break uh, a few more personal questions to Lisa about a walking experience. You know, how does it happen? You know, how long does it take? Do you see pictures? Do you see some, something or someone walking out and then a soul, obviously? And then someone walking in. Um, if you could um, please say a few more words, Lisa. Sure. I, I love talking about this because I want to take the mystery out of the walk-in phenomena because too many people think it's bad juju or it's weird or I'm a freak. And, and it's, 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 that's just not the case. Um, I saw – I myself – the soul that you're talking to right now was around this body for quite a while, uh, kind of like a guide. Um, so the body was familiar with with me uh, when I when I and I would come in and out of the body to get the body ready. That I don't have memory of. I just know that happened. Then at one point I fully walked in, and all of a sudden all this information came in with me. I knew my name. I knew where I came from. I had um, my memories. I saw. Oh, this is a little emotional. Um, I had to say goodbye to the previous soul, and we had ceremony. I um, I did a ritual. Uh huh. And I traveled up a column of light. Um, with her hmm. and said goodbye. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I wasn't. That's, I have. I haven't it's relived this. It's, good, I, it's the beauty of I, being alive. Yeah, I, I haven't relived this um, yeah. for quite some time, and it was a beautiful experience. These are happy tears. And then it was just me. <laughs> and I started writing. I wrote all of my memories. I wrote who I was. I was uh, I found another about five other people who were from the location that I was from. 
um, I knew my name. I was traveling on the astral saying my, my, um, my soul's name, which is Akara. And I, I would say it in syllables on the astral. I would say, my name is Akara, Akara. Uh, car, run. I'd wake up and go, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. I understand. And uh, a friend of mine that I had met, uh, she also told me my name. She'd never heard it before. And so that was another confirmation. And from, from there, it, everything just blossomed. Um, it, it was weird at first. Um, coming in was very weird. A lot of vibrating. And then a lot of love. You know, you, it just... Uh, my heart just really expanded. Blossomed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that occurred August 8th in 2008. So I actually know the date. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and just within a couple hours? or Yes, yes. Um, I just knew. I, it's, just, it's just one of these things. Now, could it have happened to be prior to August 8th? Yes, technically, maybe it could have. And maybe I just wasn't completely aware of it until August 8th. But August 8th was when it was a holy cow experience. My body smelled different. Um, I could see my personality was changing. My looks were changing. My hair color was changing. Ooh, uh-huh. um, my, the taste of my food was changing. My taste of music, things I used to do, everything was just shifting. But a lot of it stayed the same. Um, so it was a gentle transition and, uh-huh. and it was a positive one. So thank you. And did the new soul like the, the body that you are living in? I guess sometimes, you know, it could be an old soul, it could be a shorter, physically speaking, shorter or, or yes. smaller. Yes, it was. So was it any kind of a adjustment into the physical body, into the temple or the vessel? Yes. <laughs> but yes, I, people I know, so I got sick a lot. Um I would have like skin eruptions because my light, you know, when you're a walk-in, you're bringing in higher light than the body is used to. Huh? All at one shot and it kind of fries the system. Uh yeah, my my thyroid it, I was already having thyroid problems and when I came in I thought I would heal the thyroid. It kind of threw everything out of whack. My hair was falling out. I'd had dark circles under my eyes. I was my ankles were swelling up. It was just not a pretty sight. So I really didn't like going out in public. So it, you know, I took that as an opportunity to work on myself. <laughs> so Mhm. Good. And the other question I had is, uh, does that mean that instantly you are knowledgeable about your past lives? Well, if you, now that past lives are a tricky thing because they are connected to the body and they're in your DNA. So a lot of times when people think they have past lives, some of them are their past lives and some of them are in their ancestral lineage. Uh-huh. That are part that are part of your ancestral karma that you might not have actually experienced. So, as far as my soul is concerned, I have never had a past life. I've never taken physical form. This is the first time, and this might freak some people out. Uh-huh. This is the first time I have taken physical form. You're I have welcome. been on the yeah, I've been on the earth helping in an astral body in. In the time period when there would you would call a golden age, we've had four galactic years, four galactic cycles, and each of those galactic cycles, when we were in a golden age, 
uh, different souls could come here and teach, and they didn't didn't need to take physicality because the energy was not so dense. Um, mm-hmm. I did that, and I did other things, but I've never been in a physical body, so this is my first time, and I love it. Good. Welcome again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so the, the time, the golden age you are talking about, was it before Atlantis or before Lemuria? It was my last time here was during the Egyptian period uh, when they had the temples of Egypt and they had the uh, gods that were teaching in, in the temples and the temples, you know, were used for ascension to raise people's vibrations. Uh-huh. And that was the last time I was here that I remember. <laughs> and you can't remember. That's why was my question. How much can you remember from those times? I don't have visual memory of those times like I do of where I came from. I have... I guess you can say a knowing uh-huh. and just information from that time period and just a strong heart connection that, you know, you just can't, you just, you, you can't say it's not real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have a nudge or something. Yeah, I know. Or a pull. Yeah, I know what it is. Yes. Some, when you, you come into contact with places or people, there's, you have something in common. You don't know where it's coming from, but uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah. And you never had the desire to visit Egypt? Have you ever been to Egypt? Um, I, not in the physical, okay. since, I've, since I've been in this body, I, um, I went to a, a mystery school and the, the, the teacher there, the sensei of the school, I traveled to the, the pyramids with him and a group of other students on the astral and that's as close as I've gotten in this body. I haven't been physically i would love to <laughs> that was after your your walk-in yes yes, yes. okay mm-hmm. so you've been doing quite a few things since yes i have yeah since you've been doing much more my understanding i don't know but you've been doing more much more spiritually speaking after your walk-in than before possibly because of what all you had what you had to clear but um yeah yeah it makes sense yeah so so i was curious as well about in in this the first part of your life about your your religious background. If you had any kind of religious uh, upbringing, did you yes. grow up in Pennsylvania as well? I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole family's from the South, and I, uh, I get I get letters all the time. People talking about my Southern accent, my Baltimore accent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's where I grew up, and I love talking about my my spiritual upbringing because it's hilarious. I was raised in a Southern Baptist, very conservative home, and. Um, in my early years, I was seeing ghosts. I was talking to them. I was having conversations with them. I was ghosts. I was even asking, yeah, ghosts, uh, good ones, bad ones. I didn't care. I would talk to anyone. They they would come to me just all the time, and I thought this was normal. I thought everybody did this until I started talking about it, and uh, that didn't end so well for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I was my Sunday school teacher's worst nightmare because when they would teach things, I was just like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you were questioning uh, things, yeah. I know. I was like, really? I, I, I think y'all kind of got it wrong. Uh, so I, my parents, I would talk to them and say, did you see this? Did you see this? And they would lie and say, no, 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 no. It wasn't until after my dad died when I was 21 that my mother finally confessed to me and said, yes, we saw the things that you saw. We just didn't want to tell you. Um, It runs in my family on both sides. So the genetic line I'm in in my body 
you know, has uh, psychic abilities all over, and they never, ever bothered to tell me until I was older. Uh Um, So they just made me feel like an outcast. And then from there, I was in college, and then they they told me I was um, part Jewish. My grandmother was Jewish. You didn't know until then? No, no, never knew. So I decided, and I always felt like I should, and I don't know why, but I always felt like I should be celebrating the Jewish holidays with the Christian holidays because they were all connected. No one ever told me this. I just knew it. So I took a course in college that changed my life. I took a course on, it's called the history of the Jews. And my rabbi had me write a paper at the end, and it was the history of Christianity. And as a Southern Baptist, you know, I thought Christianity, you know, began and it ended with the Baptist, because that's how, that's how you're raised, very, very narrow-minded. And just blew my mind when I, that started it. And from there, I've studied every religion and just saw how they're all synchronistic. And then, you know, I've just completely dropped any affiliation with any religious belief. Even now, I love uh, Tibetan Bun Buddhism, but I don't consider myself a Buddhist, a Hindu, or a Christian. I'm just me. Mm-hmm. I can understand we're, a spiritual being, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're all going to the same place. We're just going to take different paths to get there. Mm-hmm. So, so, was this kind of a religious upbringing useful to you, or how, how do you relate to it now? Yeah, it was useful. In which respect, especially after 2008, I mean. Yes, it was useful because I learned learned the scriptures. I learned the Bible like the back of my hand. They interpret it completely wrong. I I used to line up my teddy bears when I was little and preach to them. I would read to them from the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) And then as I started studying Gnostics and more esoteric knowledge and uh, discovered people like Bill Donahue, I learned that the Bible is metaphors and it's parables and, and, and it's an ancient text that you eat, if you don't vibrate with its contents, you aren't going to understand it. And back when I was learning it, I learned it at a very low level and it was very scary being told you were going to burn in a lake of fire. I didn't later learn that that fire is called Azoth and it's, it, that is what transmutes the soul and it's a good thing. So I knew I know the scriptures. So once I was able to take what I knew and learn the real meaning, it just opened a whole new door for me. Mm-hmm. So it, you are not going to get burned into a real fire. It's like a <laughs> right. I mean, that's what they teach you. I know they, they want to scare you. Obviously, they want to manipulate <laughs> you. I guess. Oh my it's, gosh! Yes, mm-hmm. it worked. It scared me. Yeah, that's what it uh, makes sense when you're a young child. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. So I guess you don't have any, I wouldn't say any bad memories, but I guess, I guess you can relate and it was somewhat useful what you learned back then. Yeah, I guess the only bad memories would be, oh, just being told certain things about Christianity that I knew in my heart weren't true and having to pretend, you know, like I went along with it just because I was a kid and I, and I, I didn't have any choice. So, but other than that, you know, that, that's really my only bad memory. Mm-hmm. That's when you had to please your Bible teacher, I guess. 
Yes, and the parents. You have to please the parents. parents. Well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Your, your parents were really um, pra- strong practitioners. My mother was. My father wasn't. My it's, it's interesting. My dad had it right. My dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to put it that way. <laughs> he really did, and I didn't know it till I got older. But he wouldn't go to church because he said, I am a church. I'm in my church if I'm out by the pool, if I'm in my basement, and I don't need to go to a building to worship. And, and he's correct. You know, it even says, yeah. Yeah, even says in the Bible, your, your, your body is the temple to God. You, you're a church. So, yeah. That's where the spirit dwells. Yeah. Uh-huh. But so, Daddy was, had it right. <laughs> did he consider himself a Christian, a Baptist, or... He, was he a, considered him. He he was loose, very loose with loose. his religious beliefs. Um, he would consider himself a Christian, only because that's just what people did. Mm-hmm. More a question of tradition, maybe. Yeah. Tradition, absolute mm-hmm. tradition. Mm-hmm. Good, thank you. And uh, you mentioned Azov. I think I know about I know about that because you wrote in your blog about this. So I would I would be curious if you could say a bit more about it. Is uh, Azov the same thing as Kundalini? No. no. It 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 is but it isn't. Okay. Kundalini is just the beginning. Kundalini is more of ether um which is the fifth element coming up the spinal system which happens more than once. It's many 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 times and um most of the time it's not my first couple kundalini experiences were quite painful. Uh then the later ones after I don't know 6 7 8 9 10 times they they started to feel better. They they felt good. That gets the spinal column open and opens up the chakras. Then the Azoth energy, which is fairly new um, to this planet, it's returned. I mean, it's been here before, is a combination of fire and water. Um, Right now, we are in Aquarius, which I know is a wind sign. But the, uh, the, the symbol of Aquarius is a woman pouring water. Directly across from that is Leo, which is the fire sign. So Azoth is essentially fire water, and it is uh, the the phoenix. It's what you know burns and transmutes um, all negativity. Uh, that's what's surrounding the planet right now. A lot of people are going crazy because of it because their physical bodies aren't vibrating to the level that Gaia is moving at. And I have a lot of friends that their lives are falling apart, and it's because you know they chose to be on this planet at this time. They have Azoth running through their body, and they're having a difficult time with it because they vibrate lower than the planet. Mm-hmm. So, so, what does Azoth does to? What does it do to you? I guess. Does it? Um, how can I explain that? Is it like a a draw? I mean, you know, like it's fire. It 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 cleanses with the water. And it burns and purifies. It could be your best friend and it can be your worst enemy. It's the creator and the destroyer. It's AZ. It's the alpha and the omega. It's infinity. Um, if, if you're someone that, you know, you've done a lot of inner work and your level of Azoth, your level of ether, chi, prana, quintessence, uh, Christ consciousness that will be pretty high in you it's going to burn what doesn't serve you anymore if you've done a lot of clearing you're not going to have these heavy heavy issues with anger and judgment and frustration and jealousy to get rid of so it's going to really light your fire and propel you 
and it's going to be your best friend. Yes, you'll go through some dark nights of the soul, but they're not going to be that bad. If you're someone like the average Joe Blow that um, is very much locked into organized religion, he follows the evening news, doesn't meditate, pretty much most people on the planet, then this energy of Azoth is going to burn what no longer serves that purpose. What no longer serves that person is what that person has been clinging on to and what that person thinks is their actual identity. They don't understand they're the soul, not the body. And it's going to burn the anger out of them and it's going to burn out these negative uh, karmas and it's going to throw them into a state of cognitive dissonance and Uh it just makes them feel like they're going crazy. So pretty much if you're listening to the show, Azoth is – I would say it could be your best friend because if you weren't at that level, you wouldn't be listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. my, my comment is like at this level, I think not everyone is, is aware or conscious of what goes on within. And some people, I think, especially recently, I think there was Mercury going retrograde and I was reading about some people's experience were going for a lot, a lot of things, you know, on the material and, and the spiritual as well. And I was kind of a bit taken aback because I haven't felt much in the past two or three weeks. I mean, things going within, but nothing more than usual. So I don't know what's your what's your take on that. Is it like as of as more power at certain period of time or? No, it really, you know, it's just how much of this Azoth energy has been transmuting in you. My experience with the Mercury retrograde on a personal level, I felt nothing, but it it still affects my uh, communication, say, with like other people that that are still really being affected by uh, uh, a, a retrograde. You know, everything's vibration, and if your vibration is at the level of a mercury retrograde vibration, you're going to be in direct resonance with that, and it's going to affect you. You have not progressed past the planets, and I forget which philosopher teaches that you need to transmute your astrology chart. You need to transmute the planets. You need to become the master of of the planets. Um, And once you can get to that level, mercury retrogrades aren't going to bother you personally. They're just going to mess with your electronics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The material side. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, like I think we've been hearing and reading a lot about, you know, the the old world, I mean, at many levels, disintegrating. And, uh, you know, institutions or systems are going to collapse. And, and uh, is it also due to, I guess it's a question of the, the planet Earth ascending on one end, but does Azov has anything to do with that? A hundred percent. That's what I would um, think, yeah. A hundred percent. And we talked about this on our radio show in October. Um, we were talking about the stock market crash. And, and, and it was in early October when everyone was saying it's going to crash, it's going to crash. We've had a seven-year cycle and it's definitely going to crash. I, I have a Bachelor of Science in Finance, so, and I took some master classes in international banking. So I know a thing or two about finance and I know how those mathematical formulas work. After my walk-in and after seeing this Azoth energy and the ether and the infinity sign shifting, all of that changing, I went back and I could tune into the mathematics of the stock market and I saw 888. I saw triple infinity. So I said this on the radio show, 
I said, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say the stock market is not going to crash because there is a etheric and astral aspect of mathematics that is present in these calculations that was not previously there. So it's not going to crash. And it didn't crash. I was so excited. But I feel the Azoth, the, the change in the infinity, um, 888, those uh, that sacred geometry, that sacred mathematics is in the earth and and everything's math, everything, you know, it's spiritual science, everything is vibration, and that's what's gonna hold us together. And does that mean that things are not gonna hit the fan? No. The old has to crumble. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I just don't and you can't predict the future right now. If anyone tells you that they can remote view in the future, they can't. We are, we're in a new cycle and we're creating month by month, day by day. And in this very present moment, I feel it changing gradually. It's going to affect some people really hard and it's going to affect some people not so much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel I'm in the middle where I live, you know. You haven't been feeling the energies too much. That's what you're saying. Well, no, I've been feeling the energies hard and heavy, but I feel when the financial collapses because of the location where I live on the East Coast, I don't live off the grid. I'm not self-sustaining and I'm on the East Coast, which is so dense. So I feel, you know, when the markets do begin to shift, I'm going to, you know, be someone in the middle where it's going to hit me kind of hard, but not not devastating, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It does, yes. Mm-hmm. But you think it's going to happen, I guess, obviously. I mean, things have things have to crumble at some point and I think we have to, to build something new I guess what's, that's what Azov is doing like it's, it's, a, it's a rejuvenation or regeneration of, of it is and I wish it would go faster <laughs> <laughs> me too <laughs> I complain about that all the time you know I'm like oh come on we did all this work in the as above why hasn't it filtered to the as below boots on the ground physical earth is where i really want to see the changes and when i ask those questions the answers i get is just patience that we have seven billion people living on this planet Mm -hmm. and if it changes too fast we're gonna lose them i mean i'm sure it's traumatic for some i guess yes and so it has to go – it's going as fast as it can within everyone, everyone's individual path, you know. So it, it's kind of frustrating. You know, I know it's going to happen. I just hope it happens in my lifetime. <laughs> I, I kind of felt that – I mean, 2016 felt different. I can't tell, I can't tell how different, but uh, maybe time passes more faster. I don't, I don't know, but um, – to me, 2015 felt, felt more like a year of transition. It was a geographical transition for us, but it was like a, a year that we needed to get, you know, to get here. Uh, but I don't know what's your, your sense about the energies of 2016, but they feel really different. I can't, I can't, I can't tell really how different, but... Me too. And and when you and I was actually going to write about this. I probably still will. If if you look at the numerology of the years, if you look at the numerology of um 2015, which was 8, which was eight. infinity. Uh-huh. You know, that we went through the center of infinity and we transitioned through. We went to a a new energetic location. Everyone felt it. Now we have come up to the top of infinity and the numerology for 2016 is nine. Uh It's the upper part. 
It's of a the lot, hourglass. It's the last year in the cycle, no? If I'm correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, ten is completion. Nine is one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nine. That, that's higher consciousness. So we went through the middle of the eight, and now we're at the top of the nine, which is the top part of of the number eight, and that's higher consciousness. So. That's why it feels so different to us because we are in, you know, energies that in a location that we've never been in before. That too, you know, with the energies of 2016 being of higher consciousness along with the Azoth energy is going to really beat some people up. So I, I think we're going to see a lot more people dying. You know, souls know how long they can stay in the body. You know, they, they, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's no shame in it. Mm -hmm. Everyone is at a different point in their path. And you have some newer souls um, just can't stay in this physical body past a certain point, And that's okay. And I feel we're going to see more people transitioning in 2016 and 2017 that we've seen in previous years. Is it because they are done with their mission or they accomplished what they were supposed to? Or? Exactly. Yeah, They've gone I'm... as far as they can. And mm -hmm. I feel a, lo a lot of them will, you know, they'll die, they'll leave this body. Um, I feel there's more of them that are going to reincarnate in a new body that they can stay in longer. But, there, you know, there will be some that will, you know, I'm done with planet Earth. I didn't like it and I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here and they're going to go to that higher level of existence. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, enough of that um, chaos and tumult, yes. Yes. I can understand that, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's a very, I think there's a reason why we are here, I guess, um, discussing this too. I mean, it's like a, it's a very special time in in humanity's life, so I guess. It's, um, and I think we have a role in here as well, I guess. I don't know exactly what role, I guess. Uh, like you, I can't, I can't predict the future, but I think... Things are going to change very drastically, and I'm glad you're here to kind of the discussion because it's, you know, I I can't sense much, but I, I can tell that something is going to happen at some point, and I think it's uh, it's good to have your, your your opinion about that. Thanks. Uh -huh. Yeah, ev ev everyone can feel it happening. Um, no one knows when it's going to happen, and you know, it's it is well. See, that's the thing, and I shouldn't have said that. When is it going to happen? It's occurring now. There is no end. Okay, the shift happened. The shift is happening. There, there is no, there's no end date. It, it's, it's a, you know, for, for Gaia and for the people who choose to incarnate here, it's a continual process. There isn't like one morning you're going to wake up and go, oh, the shift happened. Uh -huh. We have arrived. Because it's a continual journey. So the shift is happening. It's just because we've been in density so much and because so many lives just suck. They really do for a lot of people that they want to see more of a change. And I can appreciate that. And I know a lot of people are waiting for the end date. When is the shift going to occur? It's occurring now. It's progressive, like you said. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, progressive. Yeah. And the more you clear yourself, I can say from personal experience, the more you're going to be able to create better things in your life. Slowly, you know, just baby steps, but it, it will get better. It, it's not going to be bad all the time. But if you're someone who just doesn't do the physical work, you don't do the meditations, you don't observe your behavior on a day-to-day -day basis, how am I treating that person? Am I loving? Am I being judgmental? If you don't do 
you know, those types of practices, well, you know, it's not going to be so good for, for that type of a person. Mm-hmm. I know. I know what you mean. Yeah. We're getting close to the, very, to the end of the show. Would you like to say a few more words about your blog or yourself in, the, in, a, in a few seconds? Or? Sure. Um, my blog is risingfrequencies.com. Um, I have a Facebook page, Rising Frequencies, and we have a radio show. We will be coming back on air in March. Uh, the first Thursday in March, we will uh, be on Blog Talk Radio as of right now. That, that might change. Uh, you that, want that, to mention your colleague's name? Yes, Andrea <laughs> Cummington Mulhaney. She's my partner in crime, my yes. best friend. I love her so, so much. Ah, couldn't do this without her. Um, We are also developing a website. I am currently um, studying for my certified uh, holistic life coach license. And once I have that, we're going to set up a website where I can take sessions with people and they can pay online and we'll have a link to our YouTube, our Facebook and, and everything will be in one location. Thank you very much, Lisa. It was a great pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Good. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again.